You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's happening, good people? Today on Journeyman, we have a Tomahawk Show takeover. I got my guy, Hall of Famer Joe Thomas, joining us. Also, sports aficionado Fat Nat, a.k.a. Natalie Lease. We talk Mike McDaniel's Broncos Revenge, Miles Garrett's Dominance, Best Athlete Pods, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, and so much more. Let's get into it. Who are these guys? It's my theme music. Every good hero should have some. This is an institution of learning, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't control it, how can you teach? Discipline is not the enemy of enthusiasm. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Journeyman, a reunion show today, because it's brought to you by not only the DraftKings Network, Meadowlark Media, but the Tomahawk Show, because we have some special guests in the building that I am super amped about. I am your humblest of all co-hosts, Andrew Hawkins, seven-year NFL veteran, um, 11th grade honorable mention all-conference basketball player, and part-time Instagram comedian. Uh, all things I'm very proud of. And I am joined by a man who needs no introduction, but they pay me. So I'm going to introduce him anyway. He is 11-year NFL veteran, 10-time Pro Bowler, the 369th member and inductee to the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame, the <laughs> one, the only, Joseph Hayden Thomas is in the building. Joe, what's happening, bro? What's up, Hawk? Thanks for having me here, man. And I love your hat. I got to be honest. That is true love from a good brother over there wearing a hat with my number on it Come and on, then man. shouting out my Hall of Fame number 369, which was awesome. We had a tattoo artist at my Hall of Fame party and my mom wanted to get 369 tattooed <laughs> on her body. And we had to explain to her that it might not exactly mean the same thing to everybody. Uh, so we're able to convince her to go with the heart. But thanks for the beautiful introduction there, man. Do you go by Mr. 369? Damn, he fine. Uh, so I do now. Um, yeah. Actually, one of my buddies bought me a custom smoking jacket. I think I'll wear it on the next show that I'm on with I you. It. It's uh, like silk and velour, and it's got 369 in huge letters on the pocket. It is the greatest dinner slash smoking jacket of all time. And uh, as much as I love the number 73, I think I'm even more attached to number 369 at this point. Well, we're going to continue to talk about this because I have a question for you. But I'm, I'm going to also introduce a third that we got in the building today. Ooh. My girl, Fat Nat. Nat is a lifelong sports fan. She works in sports. She's worked at Uninterrupted, Bleacher Report, Spotify. Uh, she's also a Warriors fan that we don't hold against her. She's a 49ers fan. <laughs> and I think loosely a Browns fan. Would you say that, Nat? Does that count? Yes, I'm still, I'm still a Browns fan. Okay. All right. Well, Definitely. You, you love all things sports like the rest of us. We're happy to have you in the building. Nat. How are you doing today? I'm happy to be here. I miss you guys. I'm so happy we're doing this reunion. Ah, this is dope. We actually went to uh, Ohio for Joe's um, induction. I did not buy you a gift, Joe. I did not know what to buy you. I don't know. Mm. So this, this is a good uh, this is a good opportunity to ask you. What do you buy somebody going into the Hall of Fame? There's only 370 something people that in it, so it's not like there's a lot of things you can look up online. Like I can't Google what mm. do you buy somebody going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What should I have bought you? Are you I'm, the guy that when it's Mother's Day, you Google like what to write in a Mother's yes. Day card for your wife? <laughs> or like, do you ever have any original thoughts? I mean, I don't know, maybe like a nice cigar or uh, maybe just a picture of you and I like walking hand in hand on the beach like we used to do <laughs> when we were doing the Tomahawk show. So you wanted to get weird. Okay. I, I, I guess I do. Of course. Google, what what I have Google I not wanted gifts. to get weird? I Google every single gift. <laughs> 
that I get somebody <laughs> because if this work has already been done, why the hell am I wasting my time? That's a great point. That Chat makes... GPT is your friend at yes, this point, I imagine. Absolutely. And I know that's how you wrote your uh, Hall of Fame speech. So we're, we're on the same <laughs> page there. All right. If you want to interact with the show, uh, make sure you hit us up on Twitter, FatNat3Ts, at Hawk on all platforms, and Joe Thomas 73 Joe, you got an Instagram now, huh? I do. I'm still not exactly very proficient at it, but I'm working to get better, and the followers are, are creeping along there, and someday I'll get good at it, and it'll be really fun because I see the stuff that you do and, and Matt does. It's pretty impressive the way you can put together reels and make things look like way better than they actually were because I know you don't have nearly that much fun in your life. <laughs> what it's all about man you got to give a fake life to the internet so that people think you're cooler than you are that is social media absolutely uh all right let's get into some headlines man our first headline of the day johnny manziel now we talked about this the last time we we, we potted joe mm -hmm. and this is this is significant because the johnny manziel documentary on netflix had the social media world ablaze um and it's only right that we get your take on it i've getting given my take time and time with other people that have joined this show and shows that I've been on, but I could never get like super into the nitty gritty because I was the only one there. So I'm explaining this, this entire world and you never really get to get to the details. Now for you, I know everybody was hitting you up asking you, what did you think of the Johnny Manziel doc? Have you watched it to this point? Cause on social media, you said you didn't watch it. Well, at the point that I said that I didn't watch it, I had not watched it yet, but there Update. were a lot of people that were asking me about it. And the summer was crazy with all the Hall of Fame planning and all the normal activities that happen when you got four knuckleheads running around the house in the summer. But I actually did sit down and watch it with my wife because I heard it was only an hour. So I said, OK, I can commit an hour <laughs> of my life uh, before bed That's and skip an that man. hour of sleep I usually get. And when I watched it, I was extremely disappointed. And the reason I was disappointed is one, it felt like it was just Johnny's take on what happened. And you didn't get a whole lot of other voices that mm. were part of that documentary besides what Johnny wanted to tell you about his time in college and in the NFL. And two, the thing that I really wanted to know the most about was what has Johnny been doing since he left the NFL? That's the part that was the most interesting because I lived that life when I was with him in Cleveland. I uh. saw all those things that were happening when he was in the NFL uh, over those couple of years. And then he was gone. Poof, he vanished. And he had a lot of things that I had read about in uh, like the social media TMZ. and you know, Us Weekly, the stuff that I get on a regular basis shipped to my house. <laughs> and it seemed like he had a lot going on between playing in different uh, B and C level pro football leagues. And I think he got divorced and maybe he had some other run-ins with the law, maybe rehab. Like there was a lot of stuff that I wanted to know about and see like, Hey, how's my buddy doing right now? And I say, buddy, because you and I've talked about this. He was actually a good person, like yeah. a, a nice friend. Like we enjoyed his company. Now he wasn't a great teammate because he certainly didn't put in the time that it took <laughs> to be a great quarterback. But as far as like a locker room guy goes, like he was, he was a good guy. I enjoyed being around him. And so I, I have a care for what's happening in his life. And I didn't find out any of that while I was watching that documentary. I agree. I, it didn't give you much of an ending. Um, it kind of felt like it just stopped. It just I, stopped. It just stopped. And they went so deep into his college. And I felt like, I mean, I didn't think there was nearly enough voices. Um, and I, this is not a mm -hmm. lobby for them to call me and, and interview me. But I was <laughs> there for it. Okay. I could have give you some real insight into what was going on when he was at Cleveland Brown. Um, but yeah, I I agree. It didn't it didn't feel like a complete. Maybe they had time constraints. I don't know. And then also when you're doing a documentary with the subject, it also changes the narrative a bit, mm -hmm. right? Because now you're trying to tell yeah. the story 
that everybody wants to tell versus the actual story. And that's where you mess up in storytelling. Nat, when you watched the documentary, what questions did you walk away with? Well, honestly, I thought it was interesting how they kind of, like you said, it was honestly pretty negative. And then at the end, they ended it with him drinking a beer. So I'm like, what is the ending? Like, what, <laughs> what is this ending? What are we being left with? Like, that was, that's what I took away from it literally at the very end of the doc. Joe, did you see anything that was surprising when you watched it? And I'll give yeah, you I was one just going to kick this to you. Okay, go because ahead. The only thing that I learned, and I'm wondering if you learned the same thing, is that he actually didn't come from money because that was the biggest thing that everybody just assumed was a given that, you know, he was this spoiled rich kid that (laughs) he didn't really care about football because he had this mountain of Scrooge McDuck gold bricks (laughs) to be able to fall back on when the NFL experience just vaporized in front of his eyes. And it turns out that was all just fabricated as well. Um, so that was the biggest takeaway for me watching that documentary. Oh, you talk about mind blown. I'm watching that and I'm, um, I'm watching it with my wife and I'm like, yeah, you know, I, yep, he wasn't watching any film. I could have told you that, knew that. He would be <laughs> sleeping in the meetings. And I'm like trying to position it like this is all information yeah. I know, but it's good for you to watch. I'm like, you know, and I'm in during the documentary, we're watching it and I was like, you know, the thing about football is it's hard to care about something you don't need because it comes from money. Had, <laughs> this, this is yeah. oil money. This is generational oil money this dude it. had. And, that, and then like five minutes later, they said it was a lie. And she looked over like, okay, you shut the hell up. Um, <laughs> but I, yes, that was for me too. That was the part that I had no idea of that they probably should have clipped that and used that on social because that would have made a lot of people watch it. Because again, as close as we were to the story, we had no idea about it. Uh, yeah. if, th- if, if they would EP'd us, I think we could have done a yes. humongous favor for the documentary because there's one guy in particular, Joe Orvec. He is like the guy that has run Cleveland uh, as far as the connections. He's like the networking dude in Cleveland since uh-huh. before I got there, right about the time I got there. And he still is. And him and Johnny were friends. I think they even lived in the same building. And like he was constantly getting Johnny out of trouble and like trying to help help him out like as a friend. And the fact that the, the producers got lazy and didn't talk to anybody like in the Cleveland nightlife scene about stories about Johnny or any of that type of yeah, stuff. Bro. It's just crazy to me because it would have been a very easy phone call. And these guys, even guys that are still friends with Johnny, they would have been happy to talk about it because I don't think it's a secret. And if anything, I think Johnny would have enjoyed like shining more light on what the story really looked like rather than just having his voice being the only voice in the documentary. I feel like, you know what, like, it, you know, obviously we have, had our podcast, have our podcast, The Tomahawk Show. That show blew up because Johnny felt bad about the tenure he had in Cleveland with Joe and I, and he had respect for us. He wasn't doing any media because they were, like, killing him. And he was like, yo, man, I feel really bad about the way I approach being a professional while you guys were veterans and really trying to win. I'll come do your podcast. So he comes to the podcast, and I'm like, Johnny, will you tell the Vegas story? And he was like, you know what? I owe you guys that. I'll do it. He comes on the podcast. <laughs> he tells the Johnny Vegas story for the first time, Billy Vegas, where he wears a disguise, goes to Vegas. He sends us the picture of the disguise. Like for the first time, he said, this is the first time I've ever seen it. We tweet and our show literally blows up. That's how we started our podcast. And that story shot us to the top of the Apple Spotify podcast ranking. So we do owe Johnny a little bit. And it was a little, you know what? You were a terrible professional. You were one of the worst teammates we've ever had. And you couldn't diagnose a cover three if Mike McDaniel 
threw one at your face. But you are an incredible dude, and we do owe you. So we appreciate you, Johnny. I'm glad he's doing okay, or at least the way they presented it in the doc. On our Wikipedia page, it says, Tomahawk Show, only famous because Johnny Manziel <laughs> came on and told his Vegas story. So uh, I guess it's really fun to have a media career solely focused on uh, Johnny Manziel telling his ridiculous <laughs> Vegas story. Because of Absolutely. All right. Speaking of ridiculous stories, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with a segment that helps us dig into what is going on in the NFL this week. All right, like every week in the NFL, there is a lot to talk about. Honestly, too much for a 44-minute podcast. So much like James Harden, we're going to pick our spots where we go to. And to help us do that, we're going to get into a segment we call Run Pass Option. All right, if you are living under a rock or you have never listened to our show or honestly could care less about what the hell we're talking about, Run Pass Option works like this. Fat Nat will read off a topic. Then Joe and I will decide whether we want to pass on it or run with it. In this segment, we each get two timed 90-second opportunities to run with it and give our take. We get one 45-second opportunity to uh, give a rebuttal to the other one's take. And much like the NFL, we get unlimited passes. All right? So, of course, everybody, like Nat, can chime in whenever the hell she wants to. Um, And from there, let's get into it. All right, Nat, get us going a little bit. All right, so first one. Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins beat the brakes off the Broncos in Denver 70 to 20. Insane. McDaniels had a chance to break the NFL scoring record, but he took the high road against a team that gave up a ransom for what they thought was an offensive guru. Hawk, run or pass? I am going to run with this because we were the first show touting Mike McDaniel as an offensive genius. And people called me crazy because they said, what this are you talking true. about? true. You really were. You know, you know and, and that's my thing. And it's like, so Mike McDaniel is doing exactly what he said that I said he would do. Now, I didn't think he would be this good this quick. But the reason why Mike is so good is because Mike doesn't break down film or he doesn't get an offense and push his offense onto his players. With the players he has, he says, okay, this is what I'm working with. We'll build the offense around them. And when I play teams like the Broncos, I know that they can't do this. So I build my whole game plan around what they do, which sounds like, oh, yeah, everybody should be doing that. But they don't. Mike doesn't care about the rules that people have been taught in the NFL. So he does what he wants. I'll give you an example. If you watch the game, their receivers, Tyreek Hill specifically, are in full sprints before the snap. And it looks like CFL motion because in Mike's perspective, I can get leverage on a DB and I could be going full speed and have someone trying to guard Tyreek Hill from a standstill. That's too easy. The part about this story I love most, Joe, Mike McDaniel was a ball boy for the Broncos growing up. He's a Denver native. His first coaching opportunity ever was a coaching internship with the Broncos. When they had a vacancy in 2022 before they hired Nathaniel Hackett and he went to Miami, they didn't give him an interview. And he just put up the most points in a game, 70, against them since 1966. I just read off a tweet that I basically put out there that got thousands of retweets. So I'm going to restate it here. But you talk about petty, you talk about savage, you talk about some get back. That's what I love about Mike McDaniel. I will rebuttal that one, Hawk. But the only thing I want to add to it is that you forgot to mention Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins, who used to be the head coach for the Denver Broncos. True. And just like you, I love a re- revenge rebuttal game. And knowing that 
He was a very good defensive-minded coach when he was in Denver. They didn't have a lot of success on the offensive side of the ball, but they had a great defense, and now he's in Miami. And his opportunity to pair up with Mike McDaniel and completely embarrass Sean Payton, who's supposed to be this wonder boy going to Denver and curing all the ills of Russell Wilson. And they hung a 70-burger on that (laughs) defense. Vic Fangio had to be smiling all the way back to the bus as he headed home, knowing that he completely embarrassed his former team that – fired him and dumped him to the curb. So I do love seeing that in the NFL because I always have a special place in my heart for fired coaches being that I had six of them fired. I got (laughs) six of them fired. And I always felt like in the NFL coaches, they always just like quarterbacks get a little bit more of the blame than they should in a lot of situations. And they never get enough time to be able to put their complete plan in place. I feel like Vic Fangio was another one of those guys. And it was sweet to be able to see that offense uh, be able to crush the Denver Broncos defense for 70 embarrassing points on Sunday. You know what? I that I completely agree. I'm not going to add to this because we're trying to stay within the rules of the game. <laughs> All right. The next one. A lot of people were calling the Cowboys the best team in the NFL, but they took a big L this week to the supposedly tanking Cardinals. Um, Dak Prescott went 25 for 40, 249 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Um, are they fakers? Joe, you going to run or pass? I'm going to pass because I think this one is too easy to elaborate on. Mm. All right, let's move on then. Um, Next, we have Brock Purdy is 11 and one as the 49ers QB. Mr. Irrelevant, he played his way into the conversation now as Mr. MVP, which he has my vote. He currently has a roommate. Respect to him or to Shanahan. Hawk, run or pass? Man, I would love to jump in on this one, but I'm going to pass. Joe, I'll give it to you. Do you want to run or pass with this one? Yeah, I'll run on this one. Any chance I get to talk about Kyle Shanahan or good old Shanny out in San Francisco. Yeah, every time coach, you mention Shanahan uh, of all got, time, you got to drink you get a chan- chance to drink to Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm going to talk about him because Brock Purdy <laughs> is doing amazing things out there on Sunday. He was 25 of 37, 310 yards, two touchdowns, no mistakes. And it does remind me a little bit of what's going on in Miami, right? The big knock on Tua outside of his injury history was, oh, well, he doesn't have a big enough arm to throw the ball downfield. He'll never be good enough because defenses will just squeeze him. They'll play a lot of tight zone coverage, and he'll have nowhere to go with the football. Brock Purdy is not a guy with a huge arm, right? There's a reason you're the last quarterback picked, the last player picked in the draft when he came out. is because he didn't have a cannon for an arm, right? But he could accurately put the football where it needed to go. He could make decisions quickly. And those are the type of quarterbacks that the Kyle Shanahan scheme love. If you look back at all the guys that have had success maybe in the last 10 to 15 years in this scheme, whether it was with Kyle or somebody else, For the most part, they weren't guys with cannon arms. They were guys that were smart. They could understand where the ball needed to go quickly. They could read where the safeties were, where the coverage and the leverage was, and they could accurately drop the ball with good ball placement. Even back to our time in Cleveland when we had Kyle Shanahan, that's who Brian Hoyer was, and we had some pretty good success with him, even though we were a little bit limited overall in personnel. And now Brock Purdy has this great defense. He's got some really good skill players around him, and they're just asking him to play within himself. And it fits perfectly with what he can do because he can get the ball to his playmakers. Guys are wide open or he's able to place the ball very nicely. Give the guys catchable balls where they can catch it and run, make a lot of yards after catch. And I think it's just a beautiful offense and a beautiful marriage between the mind of Kyle Shanahan and the skill set of Brock Purdy. And he needs to get his own place. He should not have a roommate. Uh, I'm not going to rebuttal that, uh, but he definitely should not have a roommate. I don't. I don't care if you're still in your rookie minimum deal. 
you make more than enough not to have a roommate as a as a grown adult. Uh, no rebuttal for me. What do you got next, Nat? All right, cool. Next one. This one close to your heart. Miles Garrett is a dog, and that is the headline. In week one, it was Miles Garrett practicing his crossover dribble before the snap, which was savage. Last week, Miles Garrett was going back and forth like he's in motion across the defensive line, and the Titans were following him with two tight ends and had to call a timeout. He finished the game with three and a half sacks. Is he the most terrifying defensive player doing it right now, Joe? Run or pass? I'll run on that because he absolutely is. And I know what J.J. Watt said about T.J. last weekend, and I know there's some nepotism going on, and that doesn't take anything away from T.J. Watt. Like I tell my kids all the time that comparison is the thief of joy, and that's not meant to be something that is disrespectful to any of the guys that are the top edge rushers in the NFL, who are Nick Bosa, T.J. Watt, and Miles Garrett. But if you lined up those three guys, and you were able to just do like a musical chairs and just roll the dice and just put them in any one of the three teams that the, those guys play on. I think Miles Garrett is the guy that would have the most success on any one of those teams. And mm. the only reason that TJ Watt has had better stats than Miles Garrett in their time together in the NFL is because TJ has been on better teams and getting stats as a defensive end is so much more about having opportunities and opportunities in the NFL to sack the quarterback only happen when you're winning the ball game and it's the second half. <laughs> And the quarterback has to hold on to the ball. They're not allowed to chip you. They're not allowed to double you anymore because they need to get more receivers out in the route. And that's where you usually pile up sacks outside of playing against bum ass quarterbacks like we had in Cleveland who hang on to <laughs> the football in the first quarter, don't know where to go with the ball and sack themselves. So I think it's a clear case when you watch Miles Garrett that he's towing the line between disrespect and swag, which as a Browns fan, I love. I imagine everyone else hates it. That's not a Cleveland Browns fan, but uh, to me, Miles Garrett is easily by far the best defensive player in the NFL. I am going to rebuttal. Yeah, I'm going to rebuttal this one because you're spot on, and I just got to get in on the fun. Um, I, I I tweeted that I thought Miles Garrett would win Defensive Player of the Year. Is there some homerism? Maybe, but for everything you said, Joe, T.J. Watt is a beast, and I yeah. feel like every week, it depend, depending on the week, if you ask me who's the best defensive player, it will change based on how I feel that day. Micah Parsons is incredible. My problem with Micah Parsons is, and I love him, he's a freak athlete. They, they compare him to LT. LT was the meanest person on earth. So if, 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 if Micah Parsons had that personality where even in the moments it's a run, like, yeah, you know, when it's passed and everyone goes get the stats, great. LT was like that. But even on a run, he wanted to punish who was ever coming to block him. He didn't give a damn about what the scenario was. He just had aggression to get out. And I, I feel like Michael Parsons doesn't have that as much. Miles Garrett is absolutely the biggest physical freak of any of the top rush guys. And to your point, I've never seen a defender motion back and forth and two guys go with them wherever they go. Like They were like, do not run this play unless you know where he is. And that, my friend, is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Next one. We have Jordan Love. Seems like he's kind of been earning his stripes in Green Bay. Um, they had this pretty good 18-17 win over the Saints where the Packers came back from 17-0 in the fourth quarter to get the win. Um, are we going as far as to say he's the next Aaron Rodgers or is he just getting some luck over in Green Bay? Um, he went 22 for 44, 259 yards with a TD and an interception, but played with a lot of heart. Um, Hawk, running or passing? Ah oh, man, I love I love a good uh, uh, Packers get another first round quarterback that they can have for ten years. But I'm gonna pass on this one, Joe. I kick it to you. Run or pass? I've already used my two runs. Oh but yeah, you're it out. was nice seeing Jordan Love finish it in the fourth quarter and give Pack Packer fans some hope. Packer up here fans in Green some hope. Bader. 
You're a Wisconsin guy. All right, next one, Nat. Sorry, Jordan. All right, next one. Justin Fields looks like Justin Fields has all season when the Bears took an L 41 to 10 against the Chiefs. He went 11 for 22 for 29 yards with a TD, an interception, and a heated argument with the ref. Some thought he could be an MVP entering the season, but he's kind of publicly beefing with coaches. And who are we blaming here, Hop? Uh, I'm going to run with this one. We got about a minute and a half, so I'm going to take my take down. I'm just going to say this. I had no problem with Justin Fields calling his coaching out because this is what happens. If you're a first-round pick, and once the narrative changes that you can't do it, your next stop is a backup for two or three teams until you eventually fizzle out. Now, if your coaches aren't putting you in the position to win and that's how you feel, I say say it. Otherwise, you're still going to look bad. They're still going to get rid of you, go draft somebody else. And no one's ever going to give you the out of saying, oh, with the coaches were terrible, you didn't say it. It's really a me versus you. This is his career. This is the public. I know it's not typical of an NFL quarterback, but I had no problems with it. He goes out there, unfortunately, when he says he wants to play his way, and he still didn't look good. So it might just be time for these two, you know, this team and this quarterback to part ways. And, and that's just how I feel about it. Any yeah, rebuttal? Quick rebuttal from me there, quick Hawk. Uh, even though, even I love though, the quote from Justin Fields. This is said, an extra rebuttal. You didn't you yeah, don't have okay. one. I like the times I felt like I was in rhythm. Things I don't, I didn't like. I felt like I was playing robotic. My goal this week is to say F it and just play football. That's when I play my best when I'm out there playing free. So if this was him out there playing free, yeah. being at his best, if I was a Bears fan, I'd be a little bit concerned about what that means because they lost 41 to 10 when he was out there <laughs> playing at his best. And I was actually a Justin Fields believer uh, when he was coming into the draft. And I feel bad about that because clearly I've already been uh, proven wrong, but he had uh, 11 rushing attempts for 47 yards. So yeah, okay. He was running the ball a little bit, which is what we thought we'd get a little bit more of this season, mm -hmm. but the passing has been atrocious. He had 99 yards throwing the football 58 rating and he's just making mistakes and missing receivers all over the field. I'm not exactly sure what we can do to remedy this because he clearly does not like being coached because he just told us that he wants to just run around and get sacked. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure that that's the making of a Super Bowl winning quarterback in Chicago. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to also give an extra rebuttal because I don't want to be oh, all out on the Justin double Fields. rebuttal, the double rebuttal, because I think Chase Claypool has been bad. He is he is not a good mm -hmm. receiver. I, to this point, I'm sorry. That is that is a fact, and that is a tough person to have as your number one for a young mm -hmm. quarterback. So, all right, you're right. We got to stop this. We'll, we'll so maybe we'll call see. out your receiver instead of your coach. <laughs> call out or maybe the GM for signing him. Call, call hey, it's out. It's not everybody. your fault. You suck. It's our fault. We signed you. Maybe they're tanking. Maybe they're trying to get into the Caleb Caleb Williams sweepstake, and they're just creating a diversion that we're all just falling for. All right, let's take a quick break. We're gonna come back, and we're gonna do one of our famous tomahawk drafts. This one will be a lot of fun. See you soon. You know, when we started the Tomahawk Show way back in 2017, there were no podcasts that were hosted by two athletes at the time, or at least not that we know of or care to actually research. Um, so technically, we are pioneers of the athlete podcast business. Another reason why it took off. This is truly a first of its kind. But that is no longer the case. Not only are there player pods, um, there are some of the best content in sports media bar none, hands down, and it is also where a lot of sports media get their information, player-hosted podcast. So as the pioneers of this industry, it was only right to bring back a segment that we've done for a very long time. These are the Tomahawk Drafts, and we are going to draft the best athlete-led sports media podcasts in the game. I will be the commissioner. This is typically commissioned by one of our dear friends, No Face Dan, 
He couldn't be with us today. So I'm going to I'm going to be in his place and we will give Joe since he's a Hall of Famer the first overall pick. I will go second. Sorry, Nat. Um, you will go third. We will draft our favorite and best athlete led sports media podcast. And then we're going to put this up on social and get everyone to vote to see who actually wins the draft. Is everybody understanding what I'm talking about right now? Yes, let's do it. All right, are you ready, Joe? Are you ready? I need. Are you are you searching right now? Verbal. Is this is like <laughs> me being in the exit row? Like, uh, yes, I am. I gave you the thumbs up and the I'm okay underwater <laughs> scuba a okay, but uh, clearly you don't have that on your video screen there. No, I, I don't. I wanted to make you gotta sure. increase the tech budget. And I know what you're doing. I know right now you are doing your scouting on the internet for what. For what pods to pick, but that that doesn't count. You get twenty seconds per pick, okay? Joe Thomas with the first overall pick of the Tomahawk Athlete-led Sports Media Podcast. You are on the clock, buddy. Who you got? I'm gonna go with the Pat McAfee show, and even though they called me out because I thought that the Jeff Saturday hire in Indianapolis was a bad hire, which I was clearly proven correctly, uh, <laughs> I, even though they called me out, I think it's the best show out there as far as former player led podcast, because he does get the best guest, like as good as Pat is, which he's the most talented guy that's out there on TV and radio right now. That was a former athlete by far. And he's the funniest, but he wouldn't be anywhere near what he is if he didn't have Aaron Rodgers on weekly and get the guests that he does because they're breaking news. And in the end, when you have a good podcast, it's because you're breaking news, not because you're a great personality. And the only way you can break news is by having, Current players on your podcast saying stuff that's provocative, and that's exactly what he was getting every week with Aaron Rodgers. Damn good pick, man. I I, I can't argue that um, calling him the funniest former athlete is a little bit of a shot across the bow on me. But yeah, I, present company excluded, of course. I, I, of course, of course, I, I'll allow it. All right, with the second overall pick um, in the athlete-led podcast Tomahawk Draft, Andrew Hawkins, you're on the clock. Thank you, Andrew Hawkins. And job, I am going to go with New Heights. Um, All right. They're, they're the hottest podcast right now. Travis Kelsey, um, his brother Jason Kelsey. It's funny because when I was in the business of producing podcasts, that was like, what is it called? The White Whale? The thing you're always, that was the White Whale podcast. Because what podcast. You're always searching for. It's always chemistry, right? Mm-hmm. We had unsuspected chemistry and we were able to do good. I know they have chemistry. They're brothers. There's nothing that they don't know about each other. So I knew that they would be great. And they've even, you know, taken over even what I thought the expectation of the ceiling was for them. And Travis is literally in every single commercial. Every commercial <laughs> you can imagine he is in, and he's also dating Taylor Swift. We'll, we'll actually talk about that in the last segment, but I'm going to go with New Heights. Yeah, and I think one thing that's interesting about that show is people assume that because their brothers both playing in the NFL, they're like very similar. But the more you listen to the show and the more you learn about them, uh, you learn that they're complete opposites yeah. in almost every part of their life, which makes it even more interesting. And the fact that their teams are the two best teams in the NFL, that doesn't hurt either. No, they're like us. One's black and one's white. And it's uh, exactly it's exactly true. I was going to say we couldn't be any more different, but exactly the same between (laughs) our podcast and their podcast. Exactly. All right. With the third overall pick, Fat Nat, you are on the clock for the athlete led Tomahawk player pod draft. A lot of words going on here. Fat, who do you got? I am going to go with road tripping and I'm going to go with road tripping because I'm not to burst your bubble here, but I'm pretty sure they were um, maybe. Yeah. 
I'm just going to say at the same time okay. as you guys, the first no, athlete-led right. podcast, because right. they were also very, very ahead of the curve there. And same with those two guys. They just have like unreal chemistry. Obviously, they played together in Cleveland for a while. And I got to give love to my girl, Allie Clifton, hosted uh, mm-hmm. Road Trip and Podcast. So that is my pick for the third. That's a, that's a good uh, one. We were the first uh, NFL athlete-led because they were definitely before us. And Allie Clifton, I don't know if anybody knows this, she played college basketball. We went to, high, we went to college together. Her nickname was Mack Truck because she would be in the post giving people hell. Uh, so shout out to the Road Tripping Podcast. I think that's a little bit of homerism on you, Fat, but it's okay because it'll help All us right. beat you. All right, so next, second round of the Tomahawk Player Pod Draft. Joe, who you got? Yeah, I like busting with the boys, and there's a little bias there because uh, I'm tied with Taylor and uh, Will Compton. But I think the show is pretty interesting. I think Taylor is a very interesting, funny personality. Uh, I like how Will goes after people, and uh, he's sort of unrelenting with his barbs and his jabs. Um, and I think they keep it light. So that's a that's a show that I, I definitely get into. All right, busting with the boys. I like it. Do you do you know that directly? We help busting with the boys get started, Joe. I actually did not know that. I do remember that one of our first Tomahawk shows, we had Pat McAfee on before he was really doing much. Uh, and uh, now he can't remember what our phone number is because he is such <laughs> a big time star. And I'm like, hey, man, ha- ha- remember about the little people that helped launch your show? Come on. And we got another one, too. Uh, so when Busting with the Boys started, they sent me a text like, hey, you know, we love the Tomahawk show and was wondering if you could jump on a phone and give us some pointers. And so me and Will Compton jumped on. We talked for like two hours. And even through like oh, that hey. first year, it was like they're trying to figure things out. And I would I would mm-hmm. kind of give them feedback on these shows. And I told people at, you know, where I was working at the time, hey, this is going to blow up. Sure enough, here we are. So I like that. Mm. All right, I'm going to start to move quickly here because I think we have about three and a half minutes. Uh, second round, I am going to go with – I need a basketball podcast. Give me, Give me all the smoke. I, I like all the smoke. Matt Barnes, Steven Jackson. They say some crazy stuff. And actually, we'll probably talk about some of that in the last segment as well. But I'm going to go with all the smoke. Nat, you're up. We're speeding through now. Second round pick, Nat. Who you got? I'm going with Gills Arena, also a basketball podcast. They say crazy um, I stuff. honestly, have you, if you guys have seen their setup, this is in his basement. It's like the most insane setup I've ever seen. It's That's like his basement? Ultimate, ultimate man cave. Yeah. That's he crazy. has like an arena, like a. What are those things called? <laughs> the the screen in the arena in his basement. And I just it's it's a very entertaining show. It's fun to watch. They go off the rails sometimes. Um, yeah, that's my that's my pick. All right. That's a good one. Uh, that looks like one of the biggest podcast sets in America. I cannot believe that's his basement. All right. We got yeah. third round, Joe. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to pick the journey, man. I can't believe you guys didn't see it in there. Obviously this oh. podcast we're on right now with the great Andrew Hawkins, Dang, it deserves a seat at the table in the Tomahawk draft. I, I appreciate that. I would have rather you left it off the list and been like, I, the only reason I didn't pick it because obviously you're the best, but third round, that's a, that's four rounds higher. That's than way I, higher than you were drafted. Exactly. So I figured that should be a compliment. <laughs> I completely agree. All right. Journeyman off the board. My third round pick is I'm going to go with the pivot. I'm going to go with the pivot. Um, they get a lot of, of of players on, and they get them to speak freely. It's a it's very very buttoned up, you know. And I, I and I know Channing and Ryan, all those guys personally. They're not nearly as buttoned up as they show on the podcast. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with them for my third round pick. Cool. All right, what do you got, Nat? I'm going with the Draymond Green show, and yeah, I know it's a little bit of homerism there too. But at the same time. 
Um, who have we seen hop on a podcast like immediately after their game and just like rip people to shreds? So I I gotta go with That's Draymond. A good one. That's a good one. All right, we got our fourth round pick. We got about a minute and a half here, Joe. Fourth, who you got? I'm going to just uh, withhold my selection in this round and say that I didn't get my pick in in time like the Minnesota Vikings, I believe, did a few <laughs> years ago. And I'm going to use this time to talk badly about Let's Go, that podcast, because they do get some great <laughs> guests because obviously Tom Brady and Larry Fitzgerald, two of the greatest players of all time. But they have such a hard time getting out of like player answering media question mode that I tried to listen to it one time and it was so unbelievably boring that I had to turn the <laughs> dial and uh, I turned it off. So sorry, I had to give a little shade to Tom Brady and Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, but that podcast is is a tough one to listen to. Uh, and I uh, <laughs> refuse to give up my right to select in the fourth <laughs> round because I honestly haven't listened to any of these other podcasts that are on here. Foregoing your fourth overall pick in a draft to talk about and disparage Tom Brady's <laughs> podcast is insane. Maybe there's some Tom Brady hate lingering from him a number of times. He kicked my ass when we were playing against him in the NFL. Uh, more than uh, likely. But more than likely. All right. My fourth pick, I'm going to go with Nightcap, which is a new podcast between Ocho Cinco and Shannon Sharp. And these are two of the like truly funniest players to ever play in the NFL. And them together is ridiculous. They've only got a couple episodes out. But I am big fans of both of them. So I am going to go with the nightcap, Shannon Sharp and Ocho Cinco. All right, fourth round, Fat, who you got? Fourth round. I think I'm going to go with Podcast P. Um, I really oh liked gosh. watching his show ever since they started it. Um, and I just realized I picked all basketball podcasts. Yep. So I don't know if that's <laughs> about me, but yes, yeah, you, no, love Podcast P. You Great definitely show. picked all basketball podcasts. And <laughs> I am all, I'm going to trade my future uh, third round pick. For Joe's fourth round pick that he didn't select. And I'm going to put I Am Athlete on there. I'm a big oh, Brandon nice. Marshall fan. And I feel like he kind of started some stuff. And obviously, if you don't know, them and the pivot have beef. And they're, you know, I'm cool with both of them. I play Switzerland, you know, between the two of them. But it is interesting. It probably is going to be a really funny movie one day if someone, you know, has the kahunas to go write it. All right. So that's our draft. Joe's team is Pat McAfee. Busting with the boys, journeyman, and four gone the fourth round pick to talk bad about Tom Brady. My team is <laughs> New Heights with the Kelsey brothers, all the smoke, the pivot, nightcap, and I traded a future round pick for I Am Athlete, and Fat Nat is all basketball all the time. Road tripping, Gills Arena, the Draymond Green podcast, and Podcast P. Let's take a quick break before we come back. And we talk some extra points here on Dirty Men, brought to you by the Tomahawk Show. Yes, and we don't stop. All right, guys, let's get into some extra points. Steven Jackson, a member of the podcast we just talked about, All the Smoke, said uh, via social media that any pro player who prioritizes money over getting a ring is a loser. And I had to quote tweet that with uh, the words cat because I couldn't disagree more Joe, because not just because I didn't come close to wearing a ring. That is that is not the reason. It may sound biased. It might be like, yo, you never had a chance. That's true. But I never went into the NFL to win a ring. I'm going to be honest with you. This is a job for me, and I love football. But there is so much you have to put into being a professional athlete. This is absolutely a finite window to make as much money as possible. I actually look at players who forego money too early in their career for rings with a side eye because I'm like, man, you do not get it. And you could go on eBay right now and find a lot of those rings um, that the world wants you to think is the bigger than life thing on eBay 
for people who are trying to exchange it for money. Joe, I, I am curious of your take. I feel like I kind of know it because you did forego a ring to stay in Cleveland. Now, that wasn't about the money, so to speak, but it does kind of tell us your priority list as it pertains to uh, big, shiny objects that say you're the world champion of the world. So what do you got, Joe? Mm, the reason I was in Cleveland was not because I prioritized money over a ring. It was because I was not smart enough to realize that the players we had sucked in Cleveland. <laughs> we weren't going to win a ring. Uh, I was definitely delusional thinking that we were going to win a ring. But I, I think even as a man who's very prone to hyperbole, like Mitchell Schwartz, the good teammate of mine who played tackle with me in Cleveland, went to Kansas City and did win a ring would always talk about me uh, as very hyperbolic because I like to be extreme on any take that I have. And this is a very extreme pandering take to the fans when you always hear players say that because obviously there's a certain level where you've had enough money. Like, let's say, who's the guy that's made the most money in the NFL? Or, or maybe let's say in Patrick Mahomes in five years. Mm -hmm. uh, he's going to be, you know, 500, billion in, 500 million in the bank. Mm -hmm. And at that point, he's probably not going to prioritize another million dollars on a contract over trying to win another ring because right. at that point it doesn't matter. Like another million is going to do nothing for his life where, while as whereas another ring will do more for his life. But if you have like $0 in the bank and you have an opportunity to make 10 million or maybe 15 million above like your zero, or you can go and try to win a ring somewhere else, I think it would be pretty silly. And I think your family would probably be very upset with you if you foregoed the money in order to try to go win a ring somewhere else, because in the end you can't eat rings <laughs> and you can buy bread with that money to feed your family so uh it's all about context in this situation and i think when players say that it's just more about like pandering to the fan base because there is extremes on both sides that make total sense about why you would want to ring more than money in a certain situation and why you'd want right. money more than a ring in other situations absolutely you can't pay the rent with rings all right next topic coach prime and the colorado buffaloes fail drastically to the Oregon Ducks this past weekend. And social media was doing what social media has done. Everyone had a take. Everyone had a perspective. But the viral clips of what is the, the head coach's name in Oregon? I should know this because uh, that says a lot about it, though, that, right? Like everybody it. knows who Dion is. Everybody knows Coach Prime, but nobody can name <laughs> the head coach of the Oregon Ducks. Well, everyone, I think it's Lanning. Yeah. Is it Lanning? Dan it's Lanning. Right. That's Wasn't what Wasn't he at Georgia or something? I don't yep. Know. Dan Lanning. He was a DC at Georgia before he took the Oregon job. So Dan Lanning, uh, he, he made some waves because in his pregame speech, he said, they're fighting for clicks. We fighting for wins. And everyone had an opinion. Some were like, this is, you know, oh, look at him. And not. I, I, I said on social media, I'm like, if I was in that locker room and he dropped that bar on me before the game, I would be ready to run through somebody's face. I ain't going to lie to you. That was a, I had to give respect for him. I, I felt like, you know, that's what he should say in that situation. It's what the moment called for. And obviously his players used it as motivation. Joe, where are we at with the, the, the coach prime tenure right now? So my son was inconsolable after coach prime lost oh. on Saturday, which was shocking because we have no tie whatsoever to coach prime to Deion Sanders. When he played my, my family didn't even know that he played 
football <laughs> and was one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time. They just know him as Coach Prime, and they really liked him. And I had no idea how wide the appeal was for Deion Sanders as a coach until my seven-year-old son literally, literally was like waiting around all day to watch Colorado, and when hey. they lost, he was so sad. Um, but I think that just shows how popular Coach Prime has been throughout the country. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're an NFL fan or whether you're just a college fan, whether you're an adult or a kid. It seems like everybody's pulling for this guy. Um, but on the other side, Oregon's coach, his job is to get his players pumped up and ready to win. And if you could just come with the same technique and tactic with the pregame speech every single week, the guys are going to tune you out. Now, college players are much slower to tune out their, their head coach when he's coming with the fire and brimstone speeches. Like in the NFL, if you come with the same level of emotion and the same tactic week after week, like two weeks in a row, it's over. Like they're not paying attention anyway. And for the most part, <laughs> they're professionals. They're trying to do a job. And so they're not really paying attention anyway. They're thinking about the 10,000 things that are going to happen on the field. And the fact that if they screw up one thing, they're going to get cut and then their family's not going to get fed the next week. Um, but I think this is a lesson for coach prime, uh, and it has nothing to do with what happened on the field. Like he's going to have to continue to morph and change as his team changes. And as the circumstances around the record change, because you can't always come with the bravado and the, the same type of pregame speeches that he's come with so far. Uh, especially when you do hit a little bit of a patch, uh, 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 potentially where you're sliding during the season. So this is an opportunity for Coach Prime to reinvent himself, and I can't wait to see what he does next week. I love that. And he was without his top player. I'm not going to give him any excuses, but to your point, I, I think well, for what Coach Prime is doing is bigger than, you know, whatever his record is at the moment. They've already tripled their wins from a year ago. And to your point, he has everybody watching Colorado Buffalo football. Never in my life have I ever tapped into a Colorado game by appointment. Never, never even thought to do it. Wouldn't care. Even when he took the job, I'm like, there's no way I'm watching this. And here I am, dialed the hell in, Joe. All right, our next topic is actually three topics down on the rundown, but I feel like we're going to need a little bit of space for this. And I'm going to go to Fat Nat first because this one may or may not be close to her heart. Um, back in the day, Fat Nat used to have a crush on Travis Kelsey, uh, much, like a lot of, much like a lot of women um, in this country <laughs> and football fans. And now... Travis Kelsey is off the market. He is dating Taylor Swift, who is literally one of the biggest entertainers of our time. He is an OG member of the Tama Flock and friend of the show and arguably the best tight end ever. Fat Nat, how do we feel about the Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift combo? I mean, as far as the combo goes, I'm here for it. I think it's cute. I mean, obviously it's blowing up and it's everywhere, but I do think it's funny how yesterday there were like a bunch of think pieces coming out of like, okay, does Travis know what he's getting himself into? Like the Swifties are absolutely insane. I'm, I'm not are. a Swiftie, to be honest. I don't really listen to her music, so mm. I don't know, but apparently they're like beehive levels of crazy and so people are like what does he know what he's getting himself into if this ends he's gonna have like the entire population of women in america turn against him or if it works out that's like the obviously the ultimate goal but i don't know i think it's cute i think it's pretty wild that she was sitting with his mom you know what is it like have they even hung out yet are they dating like what's yeah. happening Donna but Kelsey. I like it. I'm here for it. It's Don cute. Donna Kelsey has two sons that have Super Bowls, three total, and now <laughs> Taylor Swift is in the running to be her her daughter in law. Not not a bad not a bad run she's on. Uh, Joe, your thoughts? I feel like you're gonna have a more cynical take. 
<laughs> no, I'm happy for Travis. I'm not really worried about the Swifties because like Travis is one of the coolest dudes of all time. He is. He's so laid back and this totally makes sense that he'd be dating Tw Taylor Swift and just not think like it's too big of a deal because he's just a cool laid back guy. And if the Swifties try to come after him because something happens, it won't be because of anything that he did to Taylor Swift because he's a gentleman. Uh, he's a scholar. He's a fine judge of bourbon. Um, there's few of us <laughs> left here, but if there's a breakup and the Swifties are mad at him, I just don't think he really cares. And I think he's just living his life. He's just living his best life. And he's just seeing where the wind takes him. He's the guy that wakes up and I feel like he doesn't even have a calendar. He's just like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do today. Oh, whatever the hell I feel like because I'm Travis Kelsey. <laughs> that is a good life to live. I, I don't like it. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel oh, wow. like she was at the game way too quick. We just learned that they had been talking or been on a couple of days two weeks ago. So to already be, to, to go public with the, I'm going to come to the game, Taylor Swift going anywhere is news. Like, you can't just show up to a place, especially to a game like that. They're walking out. It feels a little more Hollywood than I'm used to with Travis Kelsey, who is from uh, Cleveland. And I don't like it. I don't feel like it's something that can actually last because they've already made it public way too fast. And I kind of feel like he should be worried. Because he won't do anything to her, but if he breaks her heart, she's going to write a whole album about him. And we're going to know that this shit is about Travis Kelsey. And he is going to have to deal with that in public for a very long time. So I kind of feel like he's damned if he does or damned if he doesn't. All right, two things quick. Hawk, oh, sorry, sorry, Nat. Uh, Hawk, you have a huge ego, but that might be the most egotistical thing you've ever said. The fact <laughs> that you think that you found out exactly when Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift started dating and that you know it was just a couple weeks ago, like they weren't able to hide this relationship and they maybe waited for a while uh, and that you are somehow like this grand pooba that's an all-knowing spirit. I think that's really interesting to me. Um, and <laughs> I don't even remember what my other take was, but uh, I'll, I'll let Nat go. Maybe I'll remember it. No, that's all, that's what I was going to say, too. I do think it's fast. I don't think it's going to last, but it's cute while while we have it. Whatever. Let it let it play out. Oh, yeah, I remember. So here's a question I want to throw back to you guys. So if they break up and he gets an entire greatest hits album written about him and it goes like number one on the charts, is it better to marry Taylor Swift? Knowing that Travis Kelsey is already insanely wealthy and the money doesn't matter whether they get married or not. Or would it be better for you to have an album written about you that goes number one on every single chart and everybody in the world knows that that album was written about you until the day that you die. Like your kids will be listening to it when they're grandparents and they're listening to like the classic hits station. And there comes on a song about <laughs> the fact that you dated Taylor Swift and broke her heart. Find out on the next episode of the Tomahawk <laughs> show. That does it for this My episode of the Tomahawk <laughs> show. Uh, Joe, quickly, final thoughts. Final thoughts. That was fun. I'm so happy to have Fat Matt back. And uh, the fact that we get some Travis Kelsey T. Swift love to talk about makes it even more exciting. And the fact that Travis is a man of Cleveland. And uh, as we know, we all have those Cleveland ties. And anything that comes out of Cleveland is greatness. So uh, what a great show. Great to see you guys again. Great to see you guys, too. And I agree, Joe. Anytime Cleveland wins, we got to tip our hat. All right. See you guys next week. Uh, Joe, I, I, I cannot wait to say this, my brother. Take us out. Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>